0: Montana's only daily sports talk show. Nuwana's now. Watch the show statewide on SWX Montana Television.
1: I like football!
0: College football, college football, and then some more college football, uh, college football heavy Nuanas now here on this Wednesday. Welcome in. I'm Coulter Nuanas. Thanks so much for tuning in here. Whether you're listening on ESPN Radio, watching on SWX Montana Television, or streaming on the ESPN MT app, I appreciate you for tuning in. We have all sorts of stuff to get to today. Spent the afternoon learning both from a research perspective and an interview perspective. A little bit more about Ferris State, the Bulldogs in town here on Saturday night in Missoula, uh, 6 p.m. kick there from Washington Grizzly Stadium. We will be live from the Chamber of Commerce parking lot uh, right there adjacent to the walking bridge on the University of Montana campus from 3.30 until 5. Our ESPN College game day returns uh, on Saturday night. Uh, here's the thing. I know I bellyache a lot about the night games. I got to say, 6 o'clock, it's not ideal for me but it's a heck of a lot better than eight or nine. Six is, is okay. You get down through a three-hour game, you get another hour press conference, and you know you go do two, three hours of work. All right, you still got a chance at midnight or one in the morning. Those 9 p.m. kicks, like when I go to Sacramento to cover Montana State at Sac State, I'm not even going to go to bed because the game doesn't even kick till after 9 p.m., and my flight's not at 5 in the morning, so I might as well just go to the airport and keep on working and then fly home and, and sleep. Anyways, nobody cares about my belly aching. I'm excited for this game. I actually think this is going to be the best opponent that Montana is going to play, at least so far, that they've played on their schedule to this point. Um, Butler was okay. Utah Tech certainly overmatched. I think Ferris State's going to be a formidable opponent. Grizz open as only 14 and a half point favorites, and I think that's fair. Ferris State's 28-1 and 1 over the last two years. That's pretty good. Back-to-back Division II National Championships. They have a lot of D1-caliber talent. We'll get into the reasons why here in just a little while. And uh, I think it's going to be a good game under the Washington Grizzly Stadium lights uh, here in Missoula on Saturday. So we'll learn a, bit, a little bit more about Ferris State. We'll talk some Big Sky Conference football. We'll also talk our, our way around uh, the FCS with Sam Herder, Hero Sports. He'll join us here this week. Sam's going to be out next week, so we'll fill the space. I promise you we will. Uh, Sam's got a wedding in Ireland, so that's cool. Um, so he won't be available next week, but uh, we'll fill the space, I promise. But most every Wednesday of football season here, uh, right off the top of the show, Sam Herder, Hero Sports, will join us. We'll also hear from Simeon Woodard. He's a uh, junior corner there for the Montana State Bobcats. That's our Montana State Minute. We'll also... Talk some big sky in the NFL. I uh, Gave you a few of the standout performances over the last couple of days. We'll give you a whole list of, of who's there, who's doing what, where. And uh, we'll also give you a $50 gift card from Town Pump to wind down the first hour. Hour number two, Coach Prime, man. I, I didn't know if it was going to work. But Colorado, the CU Buffs, they are the story right now of college football. Uh, they, they're one of the biggest stories in sports right now. Deion Sanders has taken uh, the uh, this lingering perception of amateurism at the, in the Power Five level of college football, and and you know tossed caution to the wind, and and he's just going for it, and they're doing it in a completely new age fashion. He's embracing th- just the 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 sort of landscape right now, whether it's NIL or the transfer portal or or any of the other factors that we seem to talk about ad nauseum around here. And uh, it's been pretty crazy to watch. I know it's only been two weeks, but the hype train is real. Deion Sanders and his uh, reputation right now—the the hype behind him—it's very real as well. And lucky us, one of our great friends, one of my uh, good buddies and uh, great colleagues, long time uh, for a long time, is Ty Gregorek. He's our lead analyst at Skyline Sports. Longtime college football coach. That's where most most of you listeners probably know his name from. But he also happens to be a CU buff. He played there uh, at Colorado in the late 1990s. Uh, had an injury, or a couple injuries that interrupted his career first, uh, unfortunately. But Coach Ty uh, then got into college coaching early because of that, and uh, had a lot of success as a coach while his alma mater was not having a lot of success. Last 20 years for Colorado has been. A far cry from what the 1990s and early 2000s were for the Buffs. I mean, people forget this. Colorado won a national championship in the 90s. Colorado was a perennial contender, one of the top programs in the country in the 90s. I mean, Colorado, when you look at the all-time wins leaders, Colorado is one of the eight or ten most winning programs in Division one college football history. It just hasn't been that many wins the last 20 years. But maybe that's changing under Coach Prime. So Coach Ty certainly has a uh, ton to be excited about. His alma mater revitalized. And, you know, I mean, he's he's just totally bought into it. And so it's just fun to hear. He's so good at just breaking down scenarios and football and, and dynamics and all that stuff. But uh, he's also just incredibly good uh, at watching his alma mater. And I, it's, I think it's going a lot better for uh, him right now. So that's our ESPN roundtable. And we'll also give you a preview of tonight's potential knockout game. Pioneer League playoffs are rolling. The uh, Missoula Paddleheads are hosting the Billings Mustangs tonight. The Paddleheads lost in Billings in game one of this series. That means if the Mustangs win tonight in Missoula, the Paddlehead season's over. That would be pretty crazy because they've won at an incredibly high rate for the last three years. But again, this year, won the first and second half pennants. If the Paddleheads, get it done tonight, though, they'll force a uh, deciding game three, and then the winner of that series plays the winner of the Pioneer League South postseason uh, playoff series. So Jeff Safford, uh, voice of the Missoula Paddles, will join us to to preview that game. So on is out, ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app. Talked a bunch of NFL over the last couple days, and I, I know you probably think I'm just avoiding it or dodging it, I haven't said anything about the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, I got to tell you that, like I always say around here, my rooting interest in sports has waned uh, incrementally and then rapidly as I've gotten older and and become, you know, and been a journalist for as long as I've, I've done it. But the last little piece of rooting interest I really got left is the Minnesota Vikings. But that's waned quite a bit as well. And part of it's just because... Uh, you don't really get any say in the identity of your franchise or, or what players play for the team that you root for. I've had the good fortune of having a very many of my favorite players ever just happen to coincidentally also play for the Vikings. I would have loved Adrian Peterson no matter where he played at. I mean, he's one of my favorite college football players ever and definitely one of my favorite NFL players ever. Randy Moss, Chris Carter... And those guys playing anywhere, and I'm, I'm following them. I mean, even after Randy Moss left Minnesota, followed him his whole career, one of my favorite players ever. I got a whole bunch of Randy Moss cards <laughs> over there on the bookshelf. That's all to say, though, that any of my fan interests aside, uh, when it comes to the Minnesota Vikings, what I like more than any of that is I like being right. And I feel pretty vindicated, and I know it's only one game. But the Minnesota Vikings probably feel vindicated, too. The Minnesota Vikings did not give Kirk Cousins a contract extension this last offseason. They're letting him dangle out there. I know everybody that's only a fringe Minnesota Viking follower thinks and knows uh, about the, the quarterback documentary. And I heard from so many people that said, Hey, have you been watching quarterback? Do you like Kirk Cousins more now that you saw him? And like I've always retorted... If Kirk Cousins was my neighbor, that's great. If we want to carpool with our kids, awesome. You know, you want to go camping, cool, man, I'm down. You can even come over and watch football and drink a couple light beers, you know. But do I want Kirk Cousins to be the quarterback of my football team? No, I do not. And I, I don't I don't know, actually, if the Vikings do either. I think they know they're at a crossroads. They have to figure, like I've always said, Kirk Cousins is not the worst quarterback in the NFL, but he's by far not even close to the worst quarterback in the NFL, but he's the worst quarterback situation. Cause if you got Kirk Cousins, you're stuck. You will never be better than what they were last year, which is 13 and 4, but then a the first round playoff loss of the Giants. But more you'll also never be bad. And that's the whole problem. They're just gonna be stuck in eight or nine win territory forever if they keep with him. They gotta he's either gotta prove that he can get him over the top and be a true, you know, NFC championship contending type quarterback. Or you got to just move on and then just start to rebuild it and get a young quarterback uh, with some sort of developmental capabilities. That's why I was hoping they'd go after Trey Lance. I don't think it's the last we've heard from Lance. Lance is from uh, Minneapolis, so he's got ties there in Minnesota. And uh, So I was hoping that they would go after the former North Dakota State uh, first-round pick. Instead, he ends up uh, in Dallas. So we'll see if they can benefit from that. Maybe more on the Vikings a little later on and certainly more on Ferris State coming up uh, as part of our first look, presented by Town Pump, but right now we go to the Rangers Brothers RV Fold Line. Welcome in, Sam Herder, Hero Sports, Bet MGM, and uh, our our go-to guy when it comes to talking FCS on the national level. Sam, thanks for being here, man. It was fun listening to you and Andrew last week. Thanks for uh, letting me call a little bit of an audible, and uh, thanks for tuning in today. Thanks for chiming in today. How you doing?
2: I'm doing good. Yeah, it sounded like you had a, a good road trip uh, last week, and and watched a, a good game as well. And so, uh, good to be back on.
0: Going to Ireland next week. You texted me. That's pretty cool. Have you, have you ever been uh, over overseas? Uh, nope. Uh, I've only been. Um, let's see. I, you know, I've been to Canada.
2: You know, if you count out if you count that, I don't know if you do or not. But I've also been to uh, Belize uh, and Mexico. But as far as you know, going to Europe in that general area. Uh, I've never been there. So that should be a, a really coo- cool experience uh, next week. You know, not a, a huge fan of fall weddings because, you know, obviously that's tough with with the job here, but uh, I'll make an exception to this one because it should be a, a pretty cool experience to go there next week for a wedding.
0: Well, uh, oftentimes when Sam joins us, I try to not lead with the Big Sky Conference because we talk so much about the Big Sky Conference here um, outside of this segment on Nuanas Now. But right now, you got to talk about the Big Sky Conference because. There's six teams in the top 15 in the polls. Uh, Idaho and their rise into the top five is certainly one of the biggest stories in the FCS right now. Montana State played the game of the week in the FCS last week when they took on top-ranked South Dakota State and a whole bunch of other storylines, including Weaver State winning at Northern Iowa, that we'll get to. Uh, but let's start with the, the the showdown, Sam. I mean, South Dakota State, Montana State have become sort of pseudo-rivals. I mean, they played in the playoffs what, five times now in the last uh, 10 years, and, and they've played in back-to-back semifinals, uh, and they're just such well-matched teams. That was not indicated the last time the Bobcats went to Brookings, though. They got run off the field, and they lost 38-9. to uh, But now here they are, and uh, they, they just went toe-to-toe with South Dakota State. Before we get into the, the ins and outs and the details, what did you think of the matchup and uh, was the, the, the way that Montana State played indicative of progress for the Cats?
2: Yeah, for sure. And, and there's, you know, so many different angles you can you can look at it, uh, you know, at, at this game, whether it's, um, you know, is, is Montana State that much better or is maybe South Dakota State not as good or uh, did Montana State really lose that game and South Dakota State didn't necessarily sure. win it or, you know, was he in, was he out for, for that touchdown? You know, and that's obviously all really good talking points. My... My biggest takeaway is just, you know, to me, I I thought, you know, Montana State has shown that they have uh, risen their level uh, of play, especially in the trenches, to match a team uh, like South Dakota State. And now we have South Dakota State, we have Montana State, you know, and uh, North Dakota State as well has quietly looked really good these first two weeks. And so now what looked like, you know, two weeks ago, it kind of looked like a one-horse race for the national title with the Jacks. Now I think you have a three-horse race uh, with those three teams I just mentioned. I think overall, you know, just having, you know, it's not a lot, you know, on the FCS landscape, but just having more than two, you know, you know, you know I guess legit title contenders is good for the subdivision.
0: If you're Montana State, you, you definitely feel like it's a missed opportunity. There was multiple chances for them to really take control of that game and even put that game away. They had to settle for field goals three times inside the 10 yard line, uh, you know, including twice when they had the ball basically right at the goal line. And then, the, you know, the mistakes, the penalties, uh, and, you know, some of the busted coverages late. All those things, I think if you're Montana State, you got to be kind of kicking yourself. But that said, what do you think it was that South Dakota State had uh, that, that put it over the top? To me, it's, it's Mark Gronowski. Did you see any other factors, though, where, where SDSU still has an advantage uh, over Montana State and the field?
2: Yeah, I think the, you know, South Dakota state had, the last couple of years has been really good at their half, uh, halftime adjustments. Yeah. Um, and you know, going to the first half Montana state was, they were getting a great push on South Dakota state. And then some, I mean, they were completely washing down that defensive line yeah. you know, and getting quickly to, to, to the second level. And, um, you know, Adam Bach, the all American linebacker for South Dakota state was not playing, uh, but the other linebackers for the Jacks are, are still really good. Um, and you know, Montana State really attacked that, that front seven um, and played really well in the first half. And then the Jacks made some adjustments, and, uh, you know, that that success wasn't there as much in the second half. And so I think, you know, the, the second half adjustments that the Jacks made. Um, and, you know, it's it, it's tough because, you know, South Coast State is so good. And while Montana State did have the upper hand in the running game, you know, when you're playing a team that good, you know they're going to make adjustments. And so you probably have to go to the pass uh, a bit more. And I think that's. Um, you know, unbalanced uh, part of Montana State's offense was, was really costly, um, you know, d- down the stretch there to not be able to attack Montana State or not be able to attack South Coast State in, in a different way because, you know, the Jacks really, you know, improved against the run in that second half compared to the first half. And then, yeah, you know, it's, it's kind of, it's a little cliche, you know, as far as, you know, championship teams find a way to win, you know, and all that. But, you know, I do think there is a, a, a case to that where, um, you know, we've seen it with NDSU over the last couple of years. Uh, where they just find a way to win in the playoffs and win big games. I think South Coast State is now at that point as well. Where you know the passing game, frankly, looked awful for South Dakota State for about 80 yeah. percent of that game. And then all of a sudden, Mark Gronowski drops a dime, uh, you know, for a, a big, a big gain. And then you know, a, a little bubble, bubble screen to the, you know, a true freshman wide receiver. He breaks a couple of tackles, and all of a sudden, South Coast State is on top. And it's just. Those type of plays that, you know, the championship teams just, you know, somehow they find a way to make those plays when everything else throughout the rest
0: of that game wasn't going their way. Sam Herder, Hero Sports, Bet MGM, joining us here on Nuanas Now. You're listening to ESPN Radio. Uh, Andrew Houghton wrote a nice column for Skyline Sports uh, earlier this week. And his basic premise was that NDSU set this tone where a bunch of other teams followed, and they all knew that they needed to be able to match up with NDSU in the trenches, and I think that's where you've seen such big-time improvements in in that element for both South Dakota State and Montana State, but all three teams are sort of built in the image of each other. The one retort I would have to to his uh, sort of thesis there, though, is that what you just said, Sam, is exactly it. The differentiating factor for North Dakota State often during their great run has been the quarterback, whether it's Easton Stick or Brock Jensen or Carson Wentz or Trey Lance, and, and now at South Dakota State, it's been you know a, a similar dynamic. Taron Christian got him pretty close, you know. Uh, Chris Olodokin got him pretty close, but it's Mark Gronowski that puts him over the top. Montana State's got a couple really athletic playmaking type quarterbacks that are great runners, but I mean, is, do you think that's the the thing that's keeping Montana State sort of? at the same time solidified in third, but also stuck in third in this sort of national arms race right now?
2: Yeah, I think that's a, a fair point um, where, you know, in, in the past I've said a lot that it's, it's very hard to out NDSU, NDSU. Exactly. Um, but, you know, the one, the, the one team that has been able to do that is South Coast State. You know, they built, um, I mean, they recruited and built and, and schemed themselves to look just like NDSU and then overtake NDSU, and they have, you know, out Bison, the Bison uh, the last uh, couple of years. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, you have to be great in the trenches. We know that. You have to be able to stop the run. You have to be able uh, to uh, establish the run as well. Um, but it also it also comes down to the quarterback position uh, as well. And, you know, when NDSU had uh, Trey Lance and Carson Wentz and Brock Jansen and Neeson Stick, they they dominated a lot of opponents, but it's not like they just cruised to thirty five ten wins. You know throughout the playoffs and national title games, they had a lot of close games, and it was usually the quarterback that made you know that one extra play. I mean now when you look at NDSU versus you know South Dakota State, you know maybe they're they're kind of even you know here or there. Um, even though South Dakota State has the edge in the trenches now over NDSU, but South Dakota State now has the better quarterback play, where in the past they haven't. So I think that's helped the Jacks overtake uh, the Bison, and now that's that that's kind of a difficult challenge uh you know for you know my argument here for montana state because they are i don't want to say slowly because they have you know risen pretty high up in brent being in first two years as the head coach but they are you know they're they're kind of chipping away and getting that south Dakota state's level and NBSU, nbsu's level but now to overtake them you know it's kind of weird because you don't really want to say they need better quarterback play because they have two elite talents at the quarterback position yet i, I still think you know, you, you need to take that next step, you know, in, in the passing game and have, uh, you know, a you know a balance to to your offense. You obviously want to be able to establish the run, but you know, just having that uh, that that playmaker uh, at the quarterback position that can make plays with his arm, I think, is is kind of that that next step to Montana State really, you know, reaching that national title level.
0: I'm with you. It's not about upgrading your talent at quarterback as much as it is about utilizing that talent and and striving to get the ball out on the perimeter. Uh, more often than the, what Montana State's been doing uh, at least the first two games here. You made an interesting comment there too, Sam, about you know North Dakota State is quietly off to a 2-0 start. It's amazing how North Dakota State overshadowed everybody and everything in the FCS for 10 years straight, and then they, they lose one national championship game, and they're still you know the second-ranked team in the country. But it seems like, and part of this is just because of the early season matchup between South Dakota State and Montana State and the hype, you know, kind of behind that week one, week two going into it. But it's sort of interesting that North Dakota State has been sort of on the outside looking in on this, despite the fact that they've had nine national title runs rather than just the one that South Dakota State's coming off of.
2: Yeah, and the Bison have, you know, sucked up so much oxygen when it comes to FCS conversation that it it almost – you know, it's almost a detriment to them from a media perspective where sometimes we just, we just talk less about NDSU now because they're just, they're just doing what they always do. And, you know, for me personally, for me personally, like I, you know, I could probably talk about NDSU, you know, even more than, than what I do, whether it's on the podcast or an article and talk about how, how good they're, how good they look. But it's also like, well, everyone knows NDSU is good. And, you know, whenever I talk about NDSU, there's, you know, maybe some people in Montana that kind of, you know, groan and say, "Oh, well, of course, you know, the NDSU grad thing is, is high, on, <laughs> is high on NDSU. So it's almost like a thing where NDSU is just rolling along, but, you know, we don't talk about NDSU and how they're two and O and how Cam Miller is playing so much better and how, you know, their front seven is, is playing so much better than last year and how, you know, Cole Snesky last year's backup linebacker is now playing like an all-American safety. Or you know how good to, how good Williams is playing. Or you know how good the offensive line is playing. Like I don't th- I don't know if I've said any of that because it's just well, NDSU is doing what NESU is doing. Right. Plus, you have the Montana State South Dakota State game. You know that took up a lot of the conversation. Uh, you had Idaho. You know that's taken up a lot of the conversation as well. Them beating up on on Nevada and so kind of everyone's attention is is elsewhere, yet NDSU is still holding on to that number two spot and is looking better than what they were last year, but we're not really talking about the Bison a whole lot. You know, they're just, all right, there's NDSU at number two. You know, we're, we're used
0: to that now. Sam Herder joining us here on Nuwana's Now ESPN Radio, and part of it's because of this, this early season clash between the Cats and the Jacks, but then also part of it's because Idaho's getting a little bit of the oxygen in the room now, too, and uh, we said all preseason that we thought, one of the biggest storylines for Idaho was how do they handle the hype? How do they handle being a team that everybody expects to be really good? And how do they handle success, especially if they have early success? Well, now they've got it. They're off to a 2-0 start for the first time since 1998. They drilled Nevada 33-6. to uh, I only watched a, about a quarter and a half of this thing. But I'll tell you this, point-blank period, I don't think Nevada is – uh, a playoff contender if they're in the Big Sky Conference, let alone the Mountain West, uh, they might be somewhere in the fifth or sixth spot in the Big Sky. But there's several teams in the Big Sky that are definitively better uh, than Nevada. That said, it's still an FBS win by by four scores, and now they got a chance for another one playing at Cal this week. Uh, what have you thought of of uh, the Vandals fulfilling the hype at least for just the first two weeks here, Sam? Yeah,
2: they can do a pretty rare thing and and knock off two FBS opponents in. In one season, and you know the last
0: team that did that was Portland State. Right, I believe it was. I believe it was 2015. That's right. Yeah, twenty fifteen. Kind of think about, is that uh, the right only now. time it's happened? I, I I I thought remembering that maybe Portland State was the first team to ever do that. Was that the only time it's happened?
2: Uh, it's it's happened a few times uh, before that. Uh, so Portland State did it the last time. Uh, NDSU did it in like 2006 or mm, 2007. Okay. Uh, the, the Citadel did it in uh, I think it was like 1992. And then there's a couple more instances of, of, it, of it happening in, like, the early 80s. Uh, but the Division One split at that point was kind of weird. There was Division One AA teams going to Division A, and there was Division A teams going to, you know, Division One AA as they were kind of sorting out what it means to be, you know, each subdivision. And so I, I kind of take the, those early years of the Division One sure. split with, with a grain of salt. But, I mean, it, really it's only happened maybe three or four times, in, you know, in the 30-plus 30, 30 year uh, or 40-plus year history. Um, so, yeah, it is pretty rare. Um, for Idaho to do it in back-to-back weeks if they were able to do it. I mean, they were already riding that hype train, uh, you know, pretty fast, and now it would just speed up even more. Uh, But that's the thing, too. You mentioned it about Idaho. You know, if if, you mentioned about Nevada. If this year's Nevada team played in the FCS, I don't think they would be a top-25 FCS team. I don't either. I don't. Yeah, Cal's not. Maybe Cal would be, like, the number 15 team in the FCS. If that, even uh, Cal's much better than Nevada, but they're not. You know, if, if this this year's Cal team played in in the FCS, I don't think they would be a title contender. So I was kind of you know thinking about this internally. If if, if Idaho wins this weekend, like where exactly do you put Idaho? Right. I, some people honestly might put Idaho number one, but I don't know if I would I don't know if I would put Idaho number number three. I would probably put them number four because I don't know if beating Nevada or Cal while incredibly impressive, that doesn't necessarily tell me that. Idaho is better than South Dakota State, Montana State, or North Dakota State, just because, like I said, you have to look beyond just the layers FBS and kind of, okay, how good are these FBS programs? And at the same time, you don't want to, you know, be like, oh, they beat two FBS opponents, that's no big deal. You still treat it like a big deal, but you have to balance, you know, kind of the FBS wins versus also how good is that FBS team.
0: I was going to ask you this, and I can already tell that you're probably going to lean it just a little bit towards Idaho-Nevada, but I was going to ask you what's a better win, actually, Idaho over Nevada or Weber State over Northern Iowa? Um, oh,
2: that's actually a, a good question. Right? Um, pro- mm, I could e- I could make the argument easily either way. I would still probably do uh, Idaho over, uh, over Nevada um, as the, the more impressive win. Uh, but Weaver State going to Northern Iowa, you know, that still was uh, super impressive. The Unidome is not an easy place to play. I mean, South Dakota State nearly lost in, in the Unidome uh, a year ago. Um, so that's, uh, you know, Northern Iowa hasn't looked as good as I expected. Totally agree. Uh, but, at the same yep. time, but at the same time, you know, you can say, well, Northern Iowa, you know, looked like a mess against Weber State, but you know, why do they look like a mess? It's because Weber State was doing some things for them. You know, that that got them all out of sorts, you know, offensively, and you know, to put 34-ish points up against the Northern Iowa defense that is usually pretty good. Uh, you know, that's obviously
0: very, very impressive for Weber State, so they got it rolling as well. I think that I I actually thought Weber was going to be pretty good this year. But a lot of my conversations, I think that the the team that people thought were going to maybe take a little bit of a step back under a first-year head coach was Weber, and it doesn't seem to be the case so far. Again, I know that all these stuff is with a grain of salt because it's only been two weeks. But um, Weber's looked good, I thought, especially the second half against Central Washington and then pretty much for that whole game against Northern Iowa.
2: Yeah, and, and they've... You know, Jay Hill. Like his his biggest thing was was how good of a recruiter uh, he was. Definitely. i I read his story with, with with Coach Hill, and you know his, his ties to the the state of Utah, and you know uh, you know his FBS experience, were, and that helped him recruit so well to Weber State. Um, and, and so, of course, you know a lot of these are you know basically all of these guys on the roster now are still Jay Hill's guys. And so, can they continue to uh, recruit at that level? Uh, we'll see. But I mean, there's been so many years where. Like Weaver State has lost seven all conference defensive players. And then the next year, their points per game allowed is like about the same. Like they just continually reload um, talent wise. Um, and it looks like they're doing so again this year. I mean, they have big names back like well, Winston Reed. Uh, you know, Damon Bankston is a really, really good running back for them. And so, and they're, you know, I think they have like three all conference offensive linemen back. And so the pieces there were in place um, already. The, the one big question mark was quarterback. Uh, but yeah, I mean, there's. They continue to reload, and even when you know we, we somewhat write them off as you know maybe they're maybe now they're the fifth best team in the Big Sky. You know they they always seem to rebound and reload and, and just keep on winning.
0: Well, I just knew that they were going to be really good on the lines because Coach L was so good at recruiting those positions, and they just have deep ranks always. And I knew they were going to be good in the secondary, and a lot of times. First-year head coaches taking over—they're taking over for teams with deficiencies, and those are usually where the deficiencies are at. But this Weber team was a playoff team last year. They have, you know, a fully stacked cupboard, especially at the the positions it's hard to recruit and develop. So that's why I thought they would be uh, at least pretty good right out the gates. But they've been great uh, so far, uh, two games into the Mickey Mental era. Sam Herder, Hero Sports, joining us. Uh, Sam, we only got about a minute a minute left, but just a brief thought on Sac State at Stanford. Uh, Pretty crazy that this one was already on the schedule, and then Troy Taylor skips town to Stanford, and uh, now has to play his former team.
2: Yeah, I think I, I, it may have been on your show where I think where I said that I think Sac State can get can you know get a win here. I um, mean, I think in my game by game predictions for Sac State, I, I predicted a win. Yeah, uh, you know, I, I think a lot of the times it comes down to the trenches because. You know, in these FCS versus Power Five matchups, usually, you know, that FCS team's their best wide receiver could probably play a lot for that Power Five team, and that running back could probably play a lot for that Power Five team. But the difference is in the trenches, and I really like Sac State uh, in the trenches to to make this a competitive game. And I really like Kane Bennett as well, the new stack, uh, Sac State quarterback. Uh, they did a, a bit of the two quarterback system in the in the first week, uh, but this last week, Carson Camp really didn't take a whole lot of reps. And Kane Bennett, you know, really took over that role as a starting quarterback for Sac State. A well, dual th- uh, dual threat guy can run it. You know, has a really good arm. Um, and so, yeah, I uh, I've been high on Sac State all off season. And my one question mark has been their quarterback. And it seems like Bennett has answered that que- uh, that question mark for them.
0: Be fascinating to watch. Sam Herder, Hero Sports. Uh, and Bet MGM here on Nuwana's. Now you can find all his fine writing and analysis uh, at Heroesports.com. You can also just follow him uh, on Twitter as well. A ton of content on there as well. Sam, thanks for being with us, man, and uh, have fun in Ireland next week. We'll uh, we'll regroup again with you a couple weeks, but uh, have a fun trip, man. All
2: right, thank you. I appreciate
0: that. Nuwana's now ESPN Radio. It's here for one of the better defensive backs in the Big Sky Conference, Simeon Woodard. He's been playing great over there at Montana State during the beginning part of his junior year. He'll talk to us next, our Montana State Minute, right after this. Nuan is now ESPN Radio.
2: that people have bad days, and that's when you need our help. That's when you need to call Schulte Law Firm, because we know the players, we know the game. We can put people in the best position to achieve the outcome they want.
0: If you've had a bad day, visit jschulteilaw.com. One, two, three! One. One is now on ESPN Radio. As Andrew was queuing this up, we, we started talking about Michael Jackson and, and the... the the heights of fame that Michael Jackson reached, and, and then uh, the tragic demise of, of one of the the brightest stars that, that America's ever seen, certainly. But then we were talking about Michael Jackson's height of fame and how that was a several-year period where he was certainly, aside from probably the Queen of England and maybe Princess Diana, he was the most famous person in the world. And uh, I think that had a contributing factor into his demise, certainly, well, then we were talking about how now the most famous person in the world that that title changes often, or, or there's it, it's so more widespread. There's so many other, uh, there's so many more a variety of options when it comes to answering that question. Who is the most famous person in the world? So here's what I got for you. You got you got either two one of two things you can do. You want a fifty dollar gift card to Town Pump? Text us right now. 406 888 1029. That's triple eight one zero two nine. Text us right now. Who You can either answer this question Who do you think is the most famous person in the world right now? Or you can ask us the question. If you got any Big Sky Conference football questions, Grizz, Cats, any other Big Sky question, text that as well. Any texts are going to get you entered in. And then whatever text we choose, we got a $50 gift card for you to Town Pump. Welcome back. to is now ESPN Radio. SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app. Well, Nuwana's now rolls on ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app, and it's now time for our Montana State Minute, where we highlight various elements of Montana State athletics, football-heavy, of course, this time of year, and we're joined now by Montana State junior cornerback Simeon Woodard. Simeon, thanks for being with us, man. How you doing? I'm doing great. Appreciate y'all for having me on. Uh, first of all, let's talk about coming out of the weekend. Obviously, a uh, uh, a game that everybody around the country was watching, uh, number three Montana State at number one South Dakota State, a rematch of the semifinals each of the last two years, and this was an unforgettable game. It came all the way down the wire. It looked like Montana State won in walk-off fashion, uh, but then not so fast. The replay overturns it. So just take me through it. I mean, yeah. when when, it, when uh, the offense has the ball, you're on the sideline as a defensive guy. What's going through your mind? Just take us through the way that that game ended. Oh, man, so...
1: The whole defense, uh, coaching staff, everybody on the sideline, we're just dialed into the game, just praying for the best. And then we see Sean throw the ball to CT. And um, the ref signals a touchdown. And honestly, I couldn't believe it. So I start celebrating with a few of my teammates. And um, they take it to the booth. And we're just praying that it that it uh, stands as a call. And then they end up overturning it. And it was kind of like a a, a gut-punching feeling that, kind of didn't feel good at all, but, you know, that's the reality of the game. Um, you know, plays like that happens, calls like that happen, so all we could do now is just um, look forward, and, you know, we got plenty more season ahead. Well, one of the main positives
0: coming out of that game was how well you guys played defensively. South Dakota State, one of the best offenses in yeah. the country. Mark Gronowski is one of the winningest quarterbacks in the FCS. The Yankee Twins our proven commodities, guys that have been standouts and All-American-type players the last couple of years there at wide receiver. Isaiah Davis, one of the best running backs in the country. And you guys held that team to only 20 points, including none in the first half. What were the keys? I mean, how are you guys able to perform so well defensively? How are you guys able to keep that offense in check?
1: I think it goes back to our offseason. We knew that that was uh, going to be one of the better teams in the country. So in order to beat a team like that, we had to get physical as well. So we put in the extra, extra time in the weight room. You know, on the practice field, um, and just kind of, just kind of focusing on really being more physical. So when we, when we got to that game, we can match up with their their level of level of physicality. And um, I feel like we did a good job. Obviously, we came up a little short, but um, hopefully, you know, down the line we can match up again and you know see where things take us.
0: Simeon Wooder joining us here on Nuanas Now ESPN Radio. He's a junior cornerback there at Montana State. Coach Vegan talked uh, leading up to the season and early on during fall camp that he thought the secondary had a chance to make uh, a big jump. You were kind of the the consistent guy there in the secondary last year. Uh, But I know there's a lot of injuries at corner and you guys were a little thin uh, all the way around on the back end. Now it seems like you got a lot more depth, though. Maybe four or five guys at the corner that can play, a couple guys that can play, rotate in at safety as well. How much does that help you guys? I mean, how, how much does it help you improve your defensive scheme in general when you have more available bodies, more available guys to play?
1: It's great because, obviously, we could keep we could keep guys' legs a little more fresh, you know, rotate in and out. And then, obviously, injuries happen. So, if anybody gets hurt, you know, it's always the next man up. And if that next man up is just as good as the first man, then, you know, Lord knows where this team can go. So, I think just having the depth, having the um, – you know the the tightness, the uh, tight knit family with with everybody in our position group definitely helps when when it comes to having multiple people that could play a certain spot. Right, and you got a new coach
0: there uh, in the secondary uh, in Brian Shepard. So how's that gone? What's the transition point been like under him? And uh, what have you thought of just having a new corners coach?
1: I think he's great. You know he has a lot of experience playing the defensive back position. He's played in the NFL. He's played. Uh, for North Dakota State, so definitely some high, some high programs, and you know, obviously with him able to, you know, bring everything that he knows over to Montana State, you know, it's definitely, it definitely helps the the whole group as a whole just to improve and you know, lock in every day and just be the best players that we could be. How about you? You had such a great freshman year. You really broke out in a big
0: way and then really good again last year. But um, how how do you think you've grown as a player? I mean, what were some of your your main points of emphasis this last offseason? Where did you want to improve?
1: I mainly wanted to improve with, uh, you know, my leadership role. I know it's a cliche thing for, you know, a lot of great players to say, but I felt like it was coming to that point where it was my responsibility to, you know, kind of take more of a lead, um, you know, speak up more often because I'm kind of one of the one of the guys that our team looks up to at this point. So I think that taking on a leadership role would definitely be great for the team. So that's one thing I've definitely tried to improve on this offseason and, you know, this fall camp.
0: Well, that's one of the interesting dynamics, I think, on your guys' team because you guys have such a huge junior class, and so many of you guys yeah. played early on, like yourself and, and Tommy Malott and Brody Greeby and, you know, on down the line. Um, I mean, Rush Reimer, guys that have been playing and, and contributing in a big way for for several years, Sebastian Valdez as well. And it seems like you guys all have some natural leadership uh, characteristics as well. Just being older, though, like being a junior now, does that help? I mean, does it help that you've been around the program and now there's a whole bunch of guys in the program that are younger than you?
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, obviously I was able to, you know, get that experience early on. And... um I feel like that was kind of like a blessing in disguise. Now I'm able to kind of relay all the messages and um, all the lessons that I've learned early on to, you know, these younger players that are kind of looking up to me right now. Simeon Woodard
0: here on the uh, Montana State Minute. It's nuanas Now, ESPN Radio and SWX Montana Television. You guys have battled with South Dakota State many times now, and, and you know that that's sort of just a barometer of, of, you know, one of the nationally elite teams in the country. But this was only the second game of the year. Now you guys got a whole bunch of games left in front of you. So, how do you sort of put that game in the rear view and 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 get focus and refocus on on what's next?
1: Uh, I think we kind of use it as motiv- motivation. We never we don't for really forget that the taste that we had after that loss. Um, but we still move forward. We still, you know, control. We can control. Uh, just be where our feet are, and then keep getting better every single day, and let everything take care of itself. So I think that's the main thing. Stetson
0: coming to Bozeman on Saturday, a team out of the Pioneer Football League. What do you know about Stetson so far? What can you tell us? What, what do you think of just the offense that they're bringing to
1: Bozeman? Uh, I don't know too much about them, but, you know, our, our plan is never to take any team lightly, no matter the division they're in, no matter the conference. So, you know, we're going to treat this like the biggest game of the year. Um, we're going to give them our best. We're sure that they're going to give us their best. Um, they have they have some talent. They have some a few good receivers from what I've seen. Not sure how their, their defense looks, but um, I expect it to be a good game. Simeon Woodard here on Nuwana's it's our Montana State Minute. He's
0: a junior corner there at Montana State. Simeon, appreciate the time, man. Thanks for taking a minute for us, and uh, best of luck on Saturday. We'll catch up with you soon.
1: Yeah, thanks, Coach. Thanks for having me.
0: Cool. Here's your task. Text us, 406-888-1029. Who's the most famous person in the world? Or a Big Sky Conference football question. Either one of those works. Either one of those is going to get you entered to win a $50 gift card courtesy of Town Pump. We'll also maybe talk some Big Sky guys in the NFL, learn more about Ferris State. Who's famous? What do you want to know about the Big Sky? Free Town Pump. Next. Keep it right here. No one is now. ESPN Radio. Jewelry Design Center now open in Missoula at 2501 Brook Street, across from the Montana Club. Jewelry Design Center, your jeweler for life. Oh! It's one is now on 102.9 ESPN Missoula. Watch the show statewide on SWX Montana Television. We have a lot of moving parts here at Missoula Broadcasting Company, and uh, sometimes in the in the afternoon slash evenings here. Now, Andrew and I, and, and maybe one or two others are the only ones here, but there's actually quite a few of us here right now. So I just did a quick office poll of who's the most famous person in the world right now. I got two Beyonce votes, two Taylor Swift votes. One guy chimes in, Mike Smith chimes in and says Tom Cruise, but really probably one of the soccer players. Andrew is on either Lionel Messi or Cristiano Ronaldo as well. I don't know. I I, I might be stuck on uh, Messi Beyonce. I don't know. I don't know who the most famous person in the world is. Welcome back. New is now ESPN Radio, SWX by Television, and the ESPN MT app. Uh, Andrew, what kind of what kind of answers are we getting from the uh, the listeners? I prompted you. If you're just joining us, I said here's the way you're going to enter yourself to win fifty bucks from Town Pump. Either tell me who the most famous person in the world is right now, or ask me a Big Sky Conference football question. So let's start with the uh, the entries we've got from the most famous. What do we got? Uh, well, we had a couple for the one that I think is objectively right, which is Lionel Messi. I think that's right, just because he's so overwhelmingly the answer in multiple different continents, right? He's the most famous person in South America by far. He's the most famous person in Europe, I think, by by a little bit. And I think that he's one of the most famous people in America right now, too. So that's, I mean, he's covering three different continents.
1: But we also got a lot. Uh,
0: we got multiple for Taylor Swift. yep We got... A Donald Trump, we got mm. a LeBron. Still, man, uh, we got. You want to know what's crazy? Is one of the answers is probably somebody that's not alive. It, it, Kobe Bryant is still probably one of the most famous people in the no world doubt. because he's so famous in China. No doubt. Yeah, in in a way that uh LeBron never really was, right? Right. And that's a in
1: a huge emerging market that has a, a crazy thirst for all things basketball and NBA. Uh, we got uh, we got an Elon Musk. Didn't know what to think about that one. Uh, we got an answer saying God. <laughs> okay. Uh, that was uh, that was I think it. We
0: got one saying Steven Tyler. Uh, Steven Tyler. Okay. Uh, that's interesting as well. Okay, those are good. Uh, we'll 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 put our heads together at the next break, and then we'll get in touch with you. But thanks for all those responses. Really appreciate it. Here's uh, some some questions, and I think we'll just answer all, all three of these, and then we'll decide when he is the winner. But here's the three the three questions that Andrew forwarded along. Who's likely to be the first to lose next, the Cats or the Grizz? That's an interesting question. Second question, in your educated and sound opinion, do you think any Big Sky team will jump to an FBS conference? Okay, we'll get to that in a minute. And uh, the third question, what player in the Big Sky conference is most likely to be the highest pick in next year's draft if any. Also, uh, a really interesting question. I'm trying to think of who's, who's the big, who's like the most ready-made NFL draft prospect uh, in the big sky. I'll, I'll think about that one as well. And we'll come back to that. But let's go with the first question. Who's likely to be the first to lose next, the cats or the Grizz? Well, that's a, it's a really interesting question because i um, I am not going to sit here and predict that the Grizz are going to get upset on Saturday. I think the Grizz will win the game uh, against Ferris State. I think that they have a chance to win the game soundly if they play really well, but I think they'll have to play really well to win the game soundly. If the Grizz don't play well on Saturday, it's going to be a close game against Ferris State. There are several factors that go into that. But I'm not, I'm not sitting here predicting a Grizz loss. I do think the Grizz will win on Saturday. I just think that Fair State's going to be a formidable opponent. I mean, they got a winning culture. They've won 28 straight road games. They've won 28 of their last 29 games overall. They're back-to-back Division II national champs. They have a ton of FBS-caliber talent. We'll get to the reason why here uh, in just a minute. So the Grizz are going to have their hands full. But I do think that Montana has games that they're supposed to win leading up to their matchup at uh, UC Davis uh, in October. October 7th is the is the date of that game. Montana State, I think, has no chance of losing to Stetson this weekend. I mean, they're 47 point favorites against the non-scholarship team uh, from Florida, who's part of the Pioneer Football League. So um Stetson uh completely overmatched. So this week is not it for Montana State for sure. But Weaver State's been playing really well and the cats are coming off this heartbreaking loss against South Dakota State. The 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 health of Tommy Malat, the health of Ty McCullough, and the eligibility of Lanyana Alexander all loom heavy uh, over the, the Bobcat offense. And they play at Weber State to open conference play, which is one of two primetime games uh, in the Big Sky uh, that opening weekend. Sac State and Idaho, the other one. So um, I, th- I think the Grizz will, will, will get pretty... I'm not going to say easily because nothing in college football comes easy. But I think the Grizz... It would be very surprising if they didn't get to 5-0 and headed into the Davis game. The Cats are going to have to get back on the horse and play well, though, uh, in Ogden because Weber State is, is maybe even better um, than, than what a lot of prognosticators coming into the season uh, thought. So the other question we'll get to right now, um, in your educated opinion, what Big Sky team do you think will jump to an FBS conference? We've talked about this quite a bit Uh, throughout the summer we haven't talked about last couple weeks because we've been sort of trying to engage in this here and now this football season this big sky title race uh, that's upcoming but we talked a lot about it throughout the summer you can find a bunch of those podcasts if you want to catch up on it. I thought it was very interesting we had a lot of different people that know a lot about this stuff chime into the show people like Matt Brown from the Extra Points newsletter Uh, people like Kent Haslam the athletic director at Montana Leon Costello the athletic director at Montana State talked through all this conference realignment with them as well. So um, here's the factors. Here's the the cliff notes, I should say. The things that make current Big Sky Conference football programs attractive to potentially get invited to move up to an FBS conference, location, and then subsequently the media market, the student enrollment, and then the way you're going to fund it. Montana, Montana State certainly have the biggest fan bases in the Big Sky Conference. It's not particularly close. They make the most money in in revenue off ticket sales of anybody at the conference. It's not even close. But they are actually more strapped for cash because of their revenue generation model than a lot of the other schools in the Big Sky. For example, schools like Sac State, UC Davis, and Northern Arizona all have sizable student bodies. They all charge much higher student athletic fees than Montana does, and they have you know, three to four times the student body. So that produces tens of millions of dollars, literally. UC Davis may, has has $28 million of athletic revenue coming from student athletic fees alone. Uh, that's, you know, about six times as much as, maybe even seven times as much as what Montana's having come from, from any sort of uh, internal funding. And then you also get the state subsidization part, both, California schools, Sac State, and UC Davis, as well as Northern Arizona, they all get so much state funding, state subsidization. So they don't have to sell any tickets to be able to have comparable, if not superior, athletic department budgets in total number than what Montana Montana State has. So that also gives you the internal viability to be able to move up. You have to be able to pay for it. How are you generating revenue to be able to pay for it? If you have to add more scholarships for football, you have to add more scholarships for women's sports add women's sports teams to, to, to offset the, the Title IX unbalance that would come from adding 22 more football scholarships. So you got to have the resources as well. And, and then the following and the brand on a regional and national levels are, are the next part. Montana Montana State are, are leading the Big Sky Conference pack in terms of the following and the brand, for sure. But the revenue generation model is disadvantageous to the Montana schools compared to some of their Big Sky Conference peers right now and uh, the media market part is another thing that could be a big obstacle for the Cats and the Grizz. Sacramento, Sacramento State is certainly the probably the number one candidate among Big Sky Conference schools to move up to the FBS, and it's not just because they've had a little flash in the pan, uh, three-year str- uh, uh, run where they've you know they've gone twenty-three and one in the Big Sky, won three Big Sky titles, but they've only won one playoff game. That's not the primary reason, though, Sac State is the most viable FBS candidate. Being in the greater Sacramento area, huge media market. And got, they have a pro sports team there. I mean, that, that's sort of the barometer. Big student body, sizable student athletic fees, and state subsidization. And I also think you could probably have more internal funding privately if you move up to the FBS as well, more appealing to donors to have that FBS moniker so I think the answer is probably Sac State. I think Northern Arizona is probably there as well, mostly because of the way that the state structure is, the state money they get from uh, the state of Arizona. And uh, then Davis is there because of their sizable endowment. They're incredibly uh, affluent alumni base and a student body that is almost 40,000 right now. Uh, those are the things that would make Davis appealing uh, to an FBS conference. So uh, there you go, a little... A little question and answer. Thanks for the questions. We'll certainly pick out one of you and give you a $50 gift card to Town Pump. Appreciate Town Pump. For sponsoring our Brawl of the Wild by the Mile, we'll give you our first looks on the opponents for both the Cats and the Grizz each week. And we'll also give you a chance each Wednesday here to win a $50 gift card from Town Pump, which we'll choose one of you here in just one moment. Hour one in the books, hour two coming at you. It's the ESPN Roundtable. Ty Gregorak, longtime college football coach in Montana, but also a Colorado alum, former Colorado Buff football player. He's loving what he's seeing out of Neon Dion just a couple weeks into the season. We'll talk about the phenomenon right after this. Keep it right here, ESPN Radio.